Episode 3, A Conversation with Carl Sela. Hello, and welcome back to the Keep Your Day Job podcast, election edition. Uh, I am here today with Carl Sela, who is running for town council um, and is one of our first interviews of non-incumbents. So hi, Carl. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, So we've got a myriad of questions here, but before we dive into those, let me give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, Alex, I'm Carl Sela. I'm a normal guy. I'm uh, very much a townie. Uh, I went to... Glen School, Oakdale, Parkside, normal. Um, my kids are all either in or out of the uh, normal west track. Okay. You know, Parkside, Parkside West. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, most of my family is here, just very much a townie. Uh, haven't lived here all my life. I did move up to the Chicago area for a few years after college, but mm-hmm. ended up coming back. Yeah, college, you're an ISU student or? Uh, actually, U of I. U of I, okay, cool. Must have been good grades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming from a Redbird. <laughs> all right, well, um, the first question is like probably the most job interviewee type question that I've got on this list. Um, and it's really just kind of intended to give the viewers some insight into the way that you think. So uh, can you provide an example of a time in the past year when you received a piece of information that may have changed your thinking on a particular issue? Um, actually, I, for most of the day, I was getting ready to come in here and say no. Um, All right. <laughs> I, I, tend, I tend to look at things from lots of different perspectives to start with. Yeah. So it's very hard to give me some kind of you know, game changer information because I've probably heard, either, if not the exact thing, then something about it. Yeah. Um, I did actually come up with something. Yeah. Uh, it's not a local issue. I'm here um, for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a divorced dad. Okay. Uh, and, you know, like 27th down the list of our issues for the divorce, um, she was kind of getting into the, you know, eat organic. Okay. And uh, I thought, well, that's, you know, a bunch of hooey. Um, but uh, sometime in the last year, I saw a video about some of the chemistry and epidemiology behind that. Mm. Now, I still haven't gone all out, you know, vegan, organic, whatever mm. myself, but I've softened my view that's okay, there may be something to it. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, food's a weird topic, uh, especially living in a community like this. You know, um, I didn't grow up here, but when I moved here, I'm like, I'm totally into gardening and I'm totally into like learning how to grow food. I think it's really interesting and I think we're very fortunate to live where we live to be so close to that supply chain to see yeah. where we get our food from. And great soil if you want to plant a garden. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's for another podcast. <laughs> cool. Uh, so the next questions that I have are uh, sort of focused around um, local issues that may have been influenced a little bit by the national dialogue. Uh, the one question that's probably the most specific question that I'm going to ask is right now. Um, the flock cameras is something that's caught my mm-hmm. interest. I'm a data person. I'm very interested in that. Uh, for me, this was a part smart city story. Uh, this had some kind of big brother connotation to it. There was an expense factor. Uh, and then there's the issue of policing itself, right? Mm-hmm. I think that what I wrote down here, and it seems a little flippant, uh, is that this issue may be neither fiscally conservative nor socially liberal. Um, so I'm interested in your perspective as a citizen who's you know, kind of kept up with this issue. What was your perspective on this? Um, I was somewhat against it. Uh, I'm a libertarian, which a lot of people think, oh, that's all right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a mislabeling that uh, people put out there because they don't want people to know libertarians are actually kind of radical center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I 
look at left views, right views, everything, and try to come up with the best decision. Anyway, um, I don't know that there was enough data put forth that we need these, mm -hmm. um, nor was there, you know, okay, we don't need them, but there's, you know, a gazillion crimes across the country, so we don't want to be like them, so yeah. let's, so I don't know that they were really needed. Um, a bigger issue, I know uh, at least one incumbent tries to frame it as, you know, trying to keep the police from having the tools they need. Um, you know, there was uh, some dissent on it simply because it had no oversight built in. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and people say, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't need to worry. There is some truth to that, but there's still some privacy. You know? Yeah. You know, it's not the public's business. You know, I, I'm a very smart guy, but maybe I like to go home and watch professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Not that I do. <laughs> but you know, if I do, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that can be something private to myself. Sure. Um, you know, as I said, divorced dad. I'm not currently dating, but mm -hmm. if I was with these cameras, you know, that potentially just becomes public record. And yeah. It, there's no reason for that. So was, it, was that the fear that this data becomes publicly available? Um, more just that there's no oversight mm -hmm. and it could be abused by the police. I know yeah. here locally a few years back, there actually was an officer who was assaulting women. Mm -hmm. And God forbid something similar happens again, this would be a great tool for that. Right. Um, and again, you know, I think there was only one vote against it on the council. Mm -hmm. um, and that was because there was no oversight. Right. Not because it's a terrible thing. That can be debated, yeah. but if there's no oversight, it has a great potential to become a terrible thing. Yeah, no, that does make sense. And I mean, I, it's interesting to speak to you who at the time was a citizen and may not have had all the information that the council had, um, because I found myself that as I was doing some research into Flock, um, I was reading a lot about uh, their footprint growing across the nation. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, I guess kind of what I'd written in here was like, how do you measure the effectiveness of something like that, right? It almost seems like insurance that if you don't have it, you'll regret it. But um, yeah, yeah, so I appreciate your insight on that. Yeah, there's definitely an insurance aspect to it, but on the flip side, you know, why would I go out and buy pet insurance if I don't currently have a pet? Sure. Um, you know, to some extent, this is crime insurance, but to what extent do we have that crime problem or is that coming to us? Yeah, 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 yeah. well, and yeah, I, I think that's interesting for sure. Um, cool, so let's, uh, let's, let's pivot a little bit and these next three questions I have are sort of like town development focused, uh, people, housing, and place. So, uh, you know, over the past term, largely as a result of COVID, we've seen weird job growth, interesting trends in the house market, and, you know, progress on the proposed development for Uptown Normal. In a sense, these issues seem interrelated because people pay taxes and they need a place to live, and we can use thing, use, money, use that tax money for things. So um, thinking first about housing, in your opinion, is the housing we are building in line with the salaries of the jobs being created, and do we have enough affordable housing? Um, problem with that is you get down to what's the definition of affordable housing? Mm -hmm. um, I remember at some point going to a town council meeting and there was someone speaking public comment and uh, among other things they said you know my wife and I can't find affordable housing here in uptown and I don't remember their exact financial position sure but it was basically two people at or near minimum wage wanting to have you know a decent sized apartment 
on prime real estate in the center of town. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but if you're making minimum wage, you live where you can. Right. Now, I can't afford, you know, a nice apartment prime, on prime real estate, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I, I have a, you know, a decent job at ISU and so on. Um, so it depends on how you define affordable. Yeah. Uh, it depends on how you define enough. Um, is the housing we're building in line with the salaries? I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. My best guess is no. However, why then are they not building, I'll just call it lower end housing. Sure. Um, because there's not enough money in it. Mm -hmm. Why is there not enough money in it? Regulations, as far as you know, apartments must be at least this size. Um, I know they recently expanded. You know, apartments must have more smoke detectors and so on than they used to have. That's an added expense, right. which means even if you are building apartments versus houses, they're more expensive. Therefore, mm -hmm. you know, that in and of itself isn't going to price somebody out. But when you have, okay, you have to have additional smoke detectors. Okay, you're required to provide on-site recycling. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're required to provide this. Okay, the building is required to look like that. All of these things add up. And you know, if we don't have affordable housing, it's because the town, whether directly or indirectly, has decided that we should not have affordable housing. So I want to stay on this for a second because I, uh, I think this is where some of the Feel like I heard some libertarian in that answer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it. Um, but that's interesting to me, right? Because I think um, some may think that the town council could play a hand in creating or zoning or you know what I mean, enticing this right. sort of building. Um, but that would come with a cost, right? Um, and that cost is largely tax tax dollars for for the other citizens. So, so do you think? Are you kind of hardline capitalist here where the market will provide based on supply and demand? Or do you think that the council should incentivize something like that? Um, of, of the two choices, I would say hardline. Well, and please, if there's a third, articulate. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly hardline capitalist, but as you said, libertarian comes through in that there are distortions to the market. Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a thousand people out there who are couch surfing because they can't find an apartment, right then somebody will build those apartments if it's profitable. Mm -hmm. If it's not profitable, then why not? Mm -hmm. Is it mm -hmm. excessive regulation? Is it there aren't enough you know, of the right kind of jobs? You know, yeah. it, it's all things you need to, to look into and consider. Right now, um, the only housing I know of that the town is subsidizing are luxury apartments mm -hmm. across mm -hmm. the street from town hall. Right. Why are we subsidizing luxury apartments? You know, If you want affordable housing, Okay, but mm -hmm. yeah, we should not be subsidizing the, the city manager's mother-in-law's apartment. That does make sense, yes. All right. Um, so thinking more about workers, on the heels of the workers' right amendment, should the town support workers with the same energy it has for supporting businesses? And I ask that question abstractly because I think we hear more about how the town supports businesses, and I don't want to infer that the town does not support workers, but you know, over the past few years since COVID, we've seen more of a rise in kind of the workers' rights movement. Okay, well, they kind of stole some of my thunder, but sorry, no, could, could you just read the actual question? And so next time, I was, I was all prepped to go straight into it. So go ahead, number four. Oh, okay. On the heels of the workers' right amendment, will the town support workers with the same energy it has for supporting businesses? God, I hope not. Okay, interesting. Why so? Um, 
the town talks a good game about supporting businesses. Yeah. And if you're a friend of the mayor or something that looks good on the town's green resume, mm -hmm. they will support you. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, with the whole virus hysteria, you know, they actually sent the police in to shut down somebody who was operating in a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there was another business that you know needed to stay open so that the you know, management didn't starve and people had jobs and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and they abused the liquor ordinances to punish that business. Um, at some point, once the worst of the the you know virus had kind of died down, there was actually a I don't know if you call it a protest, but some people with signs mm -hmm. basically saying, "Hey." People should be able to get back to work instead right. of being stuck at home the whole time. Uh, the mayor outright mocked them. Um, you know, and that, so you know, if you're a friend of the mayor, the town supports you. Mm -hmm. If you're not, you know, they couldn't care less. Um, you know, statistics have actually shown that government overreaction at some point started being responsible for more death than the virus itself. Mm -hmm. And the town voted to toe the line and just keep abusing people, keep abusing businesses. Um, so hopefully, you know, there's been talk of, oh no, there's gonna be another virus. Mm -hmm. If there is, hopefully they'll follow the science and not the politics. Sure, sure. I mean, I guess so, so to the question about workers though, I guess I think about the contracts that we make as a town. Right. I think about the committees that we have and I think about representation there and I wonder is there a place for the council and the town to promote workers' rights? In theory, um, one primarily needs to promote workers' rights if they've been neglected or abused. Mm -hmm. And I don't know of any circumstances where that's going on here in town. Okay. If it is, by all means, you know, let me know. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I don't have an example. Okay. I'm just asking. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if it becomes an actual issue, then depending on what it is, we may not be able to actually do something. If nothing else, we can condemn it. Um, but to the best of my knowledge, you know, local workers, especially local town workers, are treated fairly. Cool. Thank you. All right. Should the expansion of the Uptown Normal Project depend on the vacancy of the previously created spaces? Not exactly. Um, I kind of oppose the continued expansion of the Uptown project. And, you know, an easy thing to point to is, you know, that's still empty, that's still empty, that hasn't been built out. Yeah. Why are we doing more? Why are we spending more taxpayer money on something that's clearly flawed? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they really want to push it forward, I'm not going to say you absolutely cannot until, you know, the right. restaurant goes in. Doesn't or, need to or be whatever. contingent. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that does need to happen, um, you know, our debt, you know, circa 2000, we had zero bond debt. Mm -hmm. you know, they ran it up to roughly $100 million. It has come down some. Mm -hmm. um, but that's based largely on TIF districts. And in theory, the TIF district, the way the finances work, is basically yeah. it, it should pay for the bonds. Mm -hmm. um, but we issued a lot more bonds than we're having TIF success. Okay. Uh, therefore, just the regular taxpayers are going to be on a hook for, for that bill. Okay. So, rather, those are called uh, general obligation bonds. Basically, the town will pay for it if nothing else. Mm -hmm. There are other kinds of bonds where basically, okay, and I'll just say Uptown South. 
let's move forward with Uptown South. Okay, we have to issue $20 million in bonds, and I'm purely making this stuff up. Sure, sure. Um, but don't make them general obligation bonds. Make them contingent upon TIF financing, sales tax financing, um, other things like that. So those are specific revenue bonds. Mm -hmm. So if you open up Uptown South and... I'll just say they put in another hotel. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the plan, but if they do, and that hotel goes gangbusters, then you know the bonds get paid off and everybody's happy. But if they put in another hotel, well, that makes basically three hotels in Uptown, so right. it's probably not going to do well. Mm -hmm. But most people would see that and therefore not buy the bonds. So if you put the bonds out there and nobody buys them, then that tells you you should not be doing this project. Whereas if it's just town of normal bonds, mm -hmm. there's there's no skin in the game. Right. I mean, the underpass is, I guess, another topic related to that. But that's partially our partially town money, partially national, right? State, well, state bonds? It's, it, it's still taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. um, it may be that, okay, directly through the town, we're only going to pay... You know, the price keeps going up, so mm, yeah. we we're going to pay ten million dollars directly through the town, but the other twenty or thirty million dollars is still money that we went to the state and then it came back. Mm -hmm. We gave to the feds and then it came back. And you can say, well, your share, my share of because it went to the state and came back, you know, your share is a dollar, yeah. my share is a nickel mm -hmm. or whatever it works out to. Well, yeah, so. You're paying a dollar for the underpass, but you're also paying a dollar for some project in Cincinnati, and you're paying a dollar for some project in Seattle, and you're paying a dollar for some project in Poughkeepsie, mm -hmm. and basically it just comes out in the wash. Yeah. Um, basically, programs like this need to be ended at a state level mm -hmm. and a federal level, and you know that way, thirty million dollars, if we decide it's worth it, comes out of our pockets, but it's not cycled through some other weird mechanism. Because basically it's going to cost us the same regardless. It's just a question of how it gets there. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, finally, let's move into these last four questions, kind of thinking more conceptually about the council as an effective body. Um, so does it matter that such a small amount of people vote? Some ways, yes. Some ways, no. Um, you know, if you only have 10 to 20% of the voters voting, that might give you a very skewed thing. Or if it, you know, let's, let's just say... Anybody whose house number is a multiple of three votes. Well, in theory, that's a random sampling, and mm -hmm. you get the same result regardless. Um, the problem is now it's mostly friends of the people in power or neighbors of the people in power or, you know, let's just say the town gave you a $50,000 job that maybe you're qualified for, maybe you're not. Um, that's a dollar out of my pocket. Mm -hmm. That's not going to change my vote one way or the other. But that's... 50 grand for you, sure. you're definitely going to go vote. Sure. You know, so it's all people that have their hands in the till or otherwise have a vested interest in it. So it's hard to get people that, yeah. to, to, to recognize that you know, if you go vote for me and some of the other opposition candidates, that's going to save you by a low estimate, $100 a year per person. So if you're a family of four, that's $400. Um, and I, I tend to use low estimates. That way, you know, oh, it's going to save you twenty thousand dollars. No, that's obviously exaggerating. Sure. So, somewhere between that one hundred and that twenty thousand dollars is the real number. But I don't want anybody to say, you know, hey, Carl, 
you're wrong, you're, you're, you're way overestimating. And so how is that money, what, what would that money come from? How would we save that money? Um, well, again, let's just say sure. Uptown South. Yeah. Um, is that money that needs to be spent? Uh, one thing that uh, I've seen recently is you know the LEED certifications, meaning, mm -hmm. okay, this is a green building. Well, unless you operate it in a green manner, you don't actually get any operational savings, but meanwhile, you've run up the cost of it in the first place. So that's money that we're out, and we may or may not get back. Um, and just other you know, pet projects the council wants to do, we've known for decades that some people get raw sewage in their basements and we have a particularly hard rain. Why has that been going on for decades? And instead, you know, we have the nice new uh, circle building there with the empty restaurant. Mm -hmm. you know, why, why do we have this amenity and that amenity when people still have sewage in their basements? You know, it's, it's priorities. Yeah. So if we prioritize properly, you know, maybe we'll still do Uptown South. Maybe it'll still have the fancy library or whatever else they want to put in there. But if you don't you know, put it on bonds and pay interest, it works out cheaper. Mm -hmm. Or if you're not pushing for a certification that you don't really need, it comes out cheaper. Mm -hmm. And all those things add up. So then the non-voter, um, is, is that a major demographic as you campaign? Is that, do you find yourself? I'm, I'm, we haven't finalized our campaign strategy. Okay. Um, I would like it's to do that early. because, you know, you know, unfortunately you gotta do everything in sound bites because mm -hmm. people, you know, here we have a long format. Sure. Um, but most people are just, hi, come to my door, you got 10 seconds before What's I close it. What's your elevator pitch? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one that I've considered is, hi, would you like a part-time job that pays $100 an hour and you can do in your spare time? Seriously, it's not some scam? Yeah, oh, absolutely, yes. Vote, vote for me. Mm -hmm. It'll take, even if you're not registered, by the time you register and you vote and you take care of it, the whole thing will take you an hour or less. And if you can get people like me into office, it'll save you $100 a year, whether that's lower rent because of fewer regulations mm -hmm. or whether that's lower sales tax or whether that's you know savings on car repairs because mm -hmm. we'll fill the potholes instead of putting in 20 zillion new bike paths. Yeah. Um, the potholes question is always something <laughs> that sticks with me. I live out near Grove Elementary School now, and I grew up in asphalt roads of Chicago, so you just pass the asphalt with the asphalt, and that made sense to me, but then I see the concrete roads getting patched with asphalt, and it never really seems to stick, so. It's always something I'm, I always look at that and I think like there's an opportunity for innovation there because clearly we're just keeping some people employed to fill that hole every year. <laughs> something I would like to see, but I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to push it as a yeah. a true agenda or whatever. Um, somebody paves the road, whether they use concrete or asphalt or mm -hmm. whatever, and they get their you know million dollars a mile or whatever it is. However. Instead of paying them a million dollars a mile, we'll make it a million one or a million two, but they're in charge of the maintenance for the next 10 years mm -hmm. or 20 years. A warranty or, situation. Yeah, a warranty like situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in that way, okay, maybe concrete's most appropriate, maybe asphalt's most appropriate, maybe mm -hmm. there's asphalt over concrete, and I'm sure there's other options. Yeah. I like the brick streets, but I don't think they're cost effective. <laughs> they do look nice. They do look nice. Well, um, but that'll be up to whoever's putting it in. Yeah. Okay, I'm in charge of this road for the next 20 years. Does it make more sense to do concrete or asphalt or brick or whatever else? And 
hopefully that would save the town money that and save an and save the people some trouble. Yeah, I mean, you're jumping ahead to my creative creative thinking question. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what is the message for the voter who feels somewhat cynical uh, of events that have happened in the past year? Um, I'm glad you're paying attention. You should vote for the candidates that are also cynical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and are you confident that that you can impact change, right? Is, is, um, is, it one, is, it, is it important that all three of the oppositional candidates get elected, or do you think one candidate can? It, it depends on how you define change. Mm -hmm. For the most part, I would almost guarantee I will not impact change. Because right now, basically, uh, the town council is six to one in favor of whatever the mayor says. Mm -hmm. um, so. Right now, there are three, I'll call them opposition candidates. Mm -hmm. Even if we all get elected, that means it'll be four to three, whatever the mayor says. Mm -hmm. um, you might get an occasional swing vote, so we might change a few things. But for the most part, for the next two years, no matter who you vote for, it's going to be whatever the mayor says. Yeah. Um, then the question becomes, at the next election, are you going to need to get four people in to make that change to provide more balanced representation or more savings or whatever, or do you need one? Mm -hmm. now, now, even if, and even if it is only four to three, at least we'll have a balance of voices. Yep. Right now, there's basically one opposition councilman and he gets bullied and abused and mocked all the time, when for the most part, he's just trying to bring forth views in support of the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not trying to actively make trouble. It's just like, okay, you know, why is this contract going to somebody out of town when we have somebody local? Mm -hmm. you know, that's one example. And if they have a good reason, they should bring forth that good reason. But usually they just you know, call them stupid or whatever else, which means they don't have a good reason. And again, maybe it's cheaper mm -hmm. that we could do it. You know, maybe it is cheaper out of town, but they need to say that. But if it's not cheaper out of town, maybe it's cheaper local, and why are they not giving him the bid? Or even if it's the same, do it local because you're keeping the money in our local economy. Yep. Yeah. No, you'll, uh, I'll always be on board for hiring local. That's absolutely for sure. Uh, okay, so next question I think will be great for you, right? So the Responsible Cities Political Action Committee was created to push back against the rise of polarizing candidates. In the WGLT article, I believe they cited Jen Carrillo and uh, Jeff Craveville. So in your opinion, what causes the rise of this type of polarization? And without a diversity of thought on the council, are we a representative body? Um, first of all, I'll, I'm going to have to take issue with the question. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was not started to push back against the rise of polarizing candidates. It was designed to push back against outside voices. Okay. Um, you know, right now it's six to one, whatever the mayor wants. Mm -hmm. You'll have an occasional no vote, you know, whether it's just to maintain Republican credibility mm -hmm. or maybe they actually do disagree. But for the most part, it's six to one, whatever the mayor wants. Yeah. And there are some obvious things where it'll be seven zero, and that's fine. Um, but they didn't like that one, and they definitely don't want that one to become two or three. They want to do what they want to do, spend the money the way they want to spend it, you know, more pretty buildings, forget fixing the sewers unless you absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, they've, like you said, the potholes, they've been, they actually did a study. They've been shorting road repairs for probably 20 years so that they could pay for the pretty buildings and the nice circle fountain mm -hmm. and now the underpass. And those things are nice, but you got to take care of the basics first. That makes sense. Um, so that was the real intent of the pack because basically if you look at who's who within the pack, it's Mayor Coos and his friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, does a nearly unanimous vote reflect a lack of diversity of opinion, and does that matter? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. The last two mayoral elections have shown that the town is, you know, close to 50-50. Even if you say it fell to Mayor Coos and it should and that will continue, um, even if that's your perspective, you still need other voices in there mm -hmm. because the polarization is not so much, you know, you say A and I say B because... We can discuss that. Yeah. Maybe we'll find a compromise. If nothing else, I'll understand why you say A, and you'll understand why I say B, and we'll agree to disagree. But if you say A, and you say I'm not allowed to say B, then that kind of builds up resentment, and that's kind of what we're seeing in the town, because you know, they had an illegal public comment policy, and just before they got called on it, they changed to a different illegal public comment policy. And just before they got called on that, they changed to a different one that, as best I can tell, is legal, but it's clearly designed to deter public comment as opposed to gather public input. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to gather more public input. Uh, right now, the Monday meeting agenda comes out the previous Thursday. I would like to see it come out as far in advance as possible. Um, you know, they routinely pass, 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 whatever's on the agenda. Um, I would like to see anything that has a decent amount of contention be pushed out for another meeting so that we can have some public discussion. And I'm not gonna say I'm always right and the people I associate with are always right, but instead of just saying, you know, screw it, we're gonna vote for it anyway, it's like, okay, that gives you a couple weeks to say, okay, we're gonna do this anyway, and here's why. And if you have a decent why, I would be fine with that, and I think most of the other opposition-type people would be fine with that. It's a lot of it's just not being heard, yeah, and you know, not being explained why. Yeah. Um, if you know why, and if you know you've been heard and that's been considered, then so be it. Uh, a good example of that is the uh, the mural near the Uptown Circle. There, uh, more than four thousand people signed a petition saying, "Save the mural." Uh, the, Council's immediate action or reaction to that was, that's not valid input. What do you mean that's not valid input? Now, maybe there were reasons, you know, financial or otherwise, that I really see why you want to save it, okay, but this is why we have to do it. There's, there's none of that. It's just, we don't want to hear you, therefore we don't hear you, and we're doing what we want. Right. So I know the town does... Um they do talk and they, they, they socialize how the, you know, so, so for the Uptown Normal, like the, the 2.0 other side of the trail, right? Uh, so for that, they did have, you know, some listening sessions where the public would come in and participate and offer a suggestion. Um, do you think that those, I mean, you mentioned the open meeting, the, the meeting policy, but do you think that those are opportunities? Do you think that those committees are listening to the people actively? Um. Not really. They might listen enough to dampen a little bit of opposition, but mm -hmm. mostly they want to do what they want to do. Um, you know, one of the other non-incumbent candidates 
uh, is currently on the Planning Commission, which has a stated policy that it does not have to listen to public input. Mm. And that's just kind of the general attitude. Um, I know I was part of the, uh, what, I forgot, was it the, the oh, Citizen Summit is what it was called. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Just over four years ago. Yep. Um, and I went and it wasn't an open discussion. It was, you know, answer these six questions or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But they were very biased questions. You know, question one was, what is the most wonderful thing we did in the last year? Question two is, what do you think we should raise taxes for to do next? Mm-hmm. And things like that. It was not, what can we improve upon? It was not, you know, okay, which roads have the most potholes, therefore we should prioritize them. Um, anything like that. It was all, you know, what can you do to push our agenda forward? What can you do to stroke our egos? Um, and, you know, it was supposed to be roughly 50 people invited directly by the actual town council. You know, they had at least twice that many show up because the general public, you know, the citizens actually came to the citizen summit. Um, so because of that, they delayed releasing the results for as long as they could, and then they changed facilitators so that they could say, so they wouldn't have a history when they got to their next session. It's like, okay, we can get rid of those mm-hmm. results and throw them out because there were too many actual citizens involved. Let's go to a different format. Um, they actually had a planning session, so was it earlier this year or was it last year? Anyway, within yeah. the last few months, they had a planning session. I was the only person there who was not receiving a check of some kind from the town, whether it's a council member or an employee mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, you know, I went because some people had implied there was you know, nefarious stuff going on, and, and to be honest, there wasn't. Yeah. Um, you know, just because bad people do a thing doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, however, again, the, the distrust is out there. They need more transparency, they need more listening, and they've made it clear that that's not on their agenda. Yeah. So we need new people in the council. Absolutely. That's, great. that's a great transition to the next question here, I think. Uh, is the council a place, is there a place for creative thinking on the council? And I ask that question because a lot of times, um, you know, outside perception of a body, we may uh, imbue more responsibility and capability on them than they actually have, right? So what, what is your perception on that? Um, well, there's, is there a place for creative thinking on the council meeting? As the council is made up now, is there a place for creative thinking? Um, I think the answer to that is clearly no. Okay. Uh, there's one council member who thinks outside the box and he's continually shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, is there a place for creative thinking on the council? Definitely. You know, I, I talked about setting up a warranty system for the mm-hmm. roads. I'm not going to say that's the solution. It's an or, idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even that it is workable, mm-hmm. but it's an idea. Um, I know they're, again, going back a few years, yeah. uh, they were they're pushing recycling and they were increasing the uh, garbage fees and so on and so forth. I actually went out to some websites and crunched some numbers and so on. Should we develop a local or county um, incineration plant to generate electricity from our trash? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great idea. I'm sure everyone would say, not in my backyard. Um, 
luckily for them, I crunched the numbers and best case scenario, it would be a break-even proposition, mm -hmm. which means it's probably a money loser, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. which case I'm not going to push it. Right. You know? But again, think outside the box. Um, jumping back to the virus, I went out and crunched the numbers. I looked at, okay, based on these age groups, based on this employment rate, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Are we hurting more people than helping them with our various shutdowns and so on? Right. And, you know, you know, there's a the saying, oh, if it saves one life, but they never look at what's the cost of that one life. Mm -hmm. um, by my estimations, and again, whenever I do my calculations, I always kind of round against myself because I don't want to be accused of exaggerating and so on and so forth. Um, as best I could tell, the, the lockdowns and stuff that they put in place going forward from that point. So, uh, you know, the, like the first half of 2020, mm -hmm. I gave everybody a pass because we just didn't know what the bark was going on. Yeah. Um, but once we actually had some data, as best I could tell, the lockdowns that they put in place did save a life. Okay, but then what's the cost? By my calculations, the cost was three lives. Mm -hmm. In which case, why are you killing townspeople? Yeah. That's, yeah, that is definitely an example. Um, so do you think, like, and I, I'm asking this question as someone who doesn't know, right? So the way that it looks today is that the staff kind of fills the agenda and the council approves what the staff suggests or denies, right? Uh, and I guess what I'm trying to ask with this question is like, is there an opportunity to flip that dynamic a little bit so that hypothetically, if a council <laughs> member is more responsive to the community, they can influence, right? Um, I, I would love to see that. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of the, the down the road goal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, with the referendum thing and the adding extra people to the ballot and so on and so forth, um, people say, is normal a town? Is it a village? Is it home rule? Is it blah, blah, blah. Basically, the way it's set up now, it's a fiefdom. Mm -hmm. um, it needs to be broken up, whether that's districting on the council, whether that's electing additional offices such as the clerk. Um, but but right now, it's, it's very much, you know, one or two people pretty much hold all the power, and that needs to be more distributed. You get more ideas. If nothing else, you get people to feel more heard. Um, and like here, I know sitting here you have work the plan. Um, plan your work and work your plan is great if you're putting a deck on your house or yeah. planning a wedding or right. something like that. But right now, the plan is something that was started in the 90s. You know, a good yeah. number of the, the people who are paying for it now weren't even born yet. And they deserve some input as to what happens or doesn't happen or how mm -hmm. fast. And you know, the way it's currently financed, my grandkids are going to be paying for some of this stuff. And they obviously have no say in it. Yeah. Um, so you know, work your, plan your work and work your plan is great for smaller stuff, but this is too big for that. It needs to be kind of backed off. Yeah, and reevaluated. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I mentioned strong towns to another candidate who I was talking about, and I I'm interested by that sort of incremental approach that they take. And then when I think about what we're doing here in Uptown Normal, yes, I guess it's incremental that we did one part and then we're gonna do the next part. But those are really big parts, yeah. and I get very nervous as a taxpayer that eventually there's gonna be a bill that comes due to keep up and maintain those places and. I don't, again, I'm not smart enough to know whether or not we're prepared for it, but uh, that's why I asked the question earlier of like when, 
when should we think about moving ahead, right? So, yeah. all right, last question. Uh, in your opinion, how should voters measure the effectiveness of a candidate? And again, we're in kind of a strange position. Mm -hmm. um, in theory, you could vote in all three opposition candidates, and if the rest of the council and the mayor and so on wants to be you know, purely hardline, you'll get no changes for two years. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't necessarily measure it just on what did you accomplish, right. because you know, we can bang our head against the wall as much as we want, but in the end, it's a wall. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you elect us, we can try to get change. And like I said, every now and then there's a, a random no vote. Well, now one random no vote mm -hmm. um, will actually change policy. So maybe we will make some real progress. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, we can just try to make things more transparent, try to get the word out, try to get more public input in right. um, so that we're better positioned going forward. Yeah. Um, I would love to say, you know, yes, I'll get in there and all the roads will be fixed and you know, the debt will be cut in half and, mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, but honestly, if the mayor and his group truly want to be hardline, I can't necessarily do anything. Yeah. It's just a matter of being better positioned for solving problems in two years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and I think that message of transparency is going to resonate with a number of voters for a number of different reasons. So I appreciate you calling that out. I think that's a good call. Thank you. All right. Well, um, that's all the questions I have. I'll give you an opportunity to promote your campaign, give us a quick wrap-up, and then we'll call it a day. Okay. Um, again, I'm Carl Sela. I'm a normal guy. I'm very much a townie. Uh, I grew up here. My kids are growing up here. Uh, most of my family's here. Um, and... You know, it's not, it's not that we have to take normal back because normal is not a bad place to live. It's still a good place to live, but it could be a better place and it could be a more affordable place if we're not you know, throwing money at pet projects. Um, unfortunately, for a handful of people who either have bad water or sewers backing up, it, it could be a much better place. And for them, yes, I will do my best to make it a much better place. But for most people, it's already good. But why not make it better or just as good for less cost. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the time today. Best of luck in the upcoming campaign or current campaign. Now we're yeah, in it. Yeah, we're right? in it now. Uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you again. Thanks again, Carl. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You too.